Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. Welcome back to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But That Channel. And we want to remind everybody that we have joined the Off The Ball Network. So we really appreciate wherever you are accessing us from, whether it's Nothing But Net, whether it's in podcast form on any of the podcast websites you may listen. You can also check out all the other great shows on Off The Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com and you can check out all that coverage, whether it's articles, other podcasts, radio shows. We have everything on offtheballnetwork.com, including coverage of all different sports. A reminder that we are sponsored by BetUS. BetUS is the newest sponsor of the Off the Ball Network. They have the fastest payouts in the industry and offer a 125% sign-up bonus when you use promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps at sign-up. Head over to BetUS.com to sign up today. Again, that's BetUS.com, promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps. Unlike all the other bars out there that taste either like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a Built Bar, you will think you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these are, you're going to have to buy more because they will be begging for them. They have great flavors such as cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter brownie, and much more. Use the code OFFTHEBALL in all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Again, that's OFFTHEBALL, all caps, at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Let's talk Timberwolves. Welcome back to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel and the Howl. A lot to touch on in this episode in regards to game number two versus the Grizzlies here in this playoff series. The other thing that I think it's important to touch on, because here on the Howl, we don't just cover the Timberwolves. We do cover the Gophers as well. When you look at what the Gophers have been able to do recently as far as recruiting, they've had a couple really big gets recently. And actually, the day I'm recording this, we had some really, really big news here. And that is that, let me give you an update here. 
for some specifics. Let's look at this. Ben Johnson, his first, first recruiting class as Gophers head coach. So this would be the, the class coming into this next season. They just got the announcement earlier this week. Dawson Garcia is transferring to the U of M, and I believe he's able to play right away, but don't quote me on that. But, yes, that's my understanding. Braden Carrington, Jaden Henley, Josh Ola-Joseph, Farrell Payne, and then as of today, Talon Cooper. Uh, Talon Cooper, by the way, is a player that I think people are going to really like. Another transfer from Moorhead State. And what's you know, there's a lot of things to like about him, but he was one of the top assist point guards in the nation. So very cool there. Averaged 5.9 assists per game this season, and again that ranked him eighth nationally. He was playing for Moorhead State. So really nice to get there. Let's take a look, by the way, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Gopher Crew who posted this. It's the updated roster following the addition of Talon Cooper. So at point guard you have Talon Cooper. He is a junior. Then you have freshman Braden Carrington. He is a three-star recruit. You have Jamison Battle. He would be a junior. Parker Fox, a junior. And then Dawson Garcia, who is a sophomore. And then you take a look at the rest of the bench. And by the way, they're probably not done. I would guess they probably add at least one more player uh, to this uh, team. So you're talking uh, Jaden Henley would be a freshman, three-star. Jackson Purcell, a sophomore walk-on. Uh, Abdullah uh, Thiem. I could be wrong on the pronunciation there. That is, he's a sophomore. You have Will Ramberg, a junior walk-on. Uh, Joshua Ola-Joseph, freshman three-star. Isaiah Innan, junior. He's been here, obviously, for a few years. Trayton Thompson, a sophomore. And then another freshman, and he is a four-star recruit, and that is Farrell Payne. So that is going to be a ton of fun. I've seen a lot of people talking about how they definitely think this is going to be a tournament team next year, and I completely agree They've got some good depth on this team. There is a lot to like about the Gophers and what Ben Johnson has been able to do so far in his tenure as Gophers coach. They started off last year pretty strong, and then obviously they fell quite a bit the second half of the season. Obviously, when you talk second half of the season, you're talking about really mainly the Big Ten season. We just did not stack up well against a lot of teams. Had a nice win at Illinois. That's great. But aside from that, the team just struggled a lot. So that was the unfortunate part there. But I do think going into next season, there should be lots of optimism. So things to like there. Let's jump in now to Timberwolves Talk. Of course, final score in the game last night, 124-96. Just was not meant to be for our Timberwolves. And I got to say, this was a tough game to watch. And I will admit, I turned it off. In the fourth quarter, I ended up turning this game off because it was tough to watch. You started off pretty strong, 33-32 after one. You ran into the issue, of course, in that first quarter. Carl Towns already in foul trouble, and that got even worse in that second quarter. And when Towns went out, we were down by, I believe, eight points at the time. And the wheels fell off, and the Grizzlies never looked back. The Wolves were able to get to, I believe this in the fourth quarter, there was around 11 or 10 minutes left, and they got it to within 18. But... I mean, that was really all she wrote. You end up losing this game by 28 points. Let's just kind of dive into the specifics. What happened, uh, how the Wolves were hurt in dis- different aspects of this game. You have an almost triple-double by John Morant, 23 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. The thing about John Morant that in this game really hurt the Wolves, 
is specifically the fact that he was able to hit threes. It's not something he's necessarily known for. He's, I believe, on the season around a 31% three-point shooter. Uh, I could be a little off on that number, but, you know, it's not great. It's not like they're sitting there with putting up these, uh, if he's putting there these fantastic efficient numbers from three, that's just not what he's known for. And so you see him, and, and at a time when the Wolves are really struggling, you know, Towns Town, goes out with that really foolish foul in the second quarter, which we'll touch on that a little bit uh, after we kind of dive in a little more here. But John Morant really started hitting shots uh, throughout this game. Not only him, but the other guy that started to take off from three is another guy that isn't like some amazing three-point shooter, and that is Jaron Jackson Jr., right? Jaron Jackson, four of seven from three. John Morant, two of four. So now you're talking, you know, six of 11 or 50% from the three-point line for those guys. And that's not to take away anything from the guys that normally are able to get shots up, right? Desmond Bain hit a three. You had a, Tyus Jones hit a three, which if you want to know how rare it is for Tyus Jones to hit three-point shots, the over-under for threes yesterday, and actually the last two games, was 0. .5. 0. .5 is the over-under. And guess what? If I recall, the favorite was actually under. Let that sit in. He just doesn't shoot a lot of threes. It's not what he's known for. And yet... Another guy that was able to hurt us quite a bit. Rebound, 48-40. to 40. I don't think the rebounding battle was as close as that sounds. Offensively, so I believe at a point, at one point in the first half, the Grizzlies had nine offensive rebounds, and that was more than we gave up the entire first game. Let that sink in a little bit. Now, Towns obviously didn't play as many minutes. 28 minutes versus 43 in the first game. And guess why? Foul trouble. And he played, and I'm going to say this, when I talk about Carl Towns, he is a player that has real concerns and real issues. I am, am someone that I would say I'm more than almost anybody defends Towns. I, in mo- one of our most recent episodes, I went, I went against a lot of the people that were taking shots at him, personal shots. I'm never going to take personal shots. That's ridiculous. Again, I'm just going to mention it briefly, but come on. There's a difference between the athlete and the person. He's still a person. So as we set that aside, looking at last night's game, his maturity is a real concern for me. He needs to be smarter. He needs to be able to control himself. <clears throat> time, and, time and time again, I've gone on this show and talked about how Towns gets a raw deal from officials. Guess what? Towns didn't get a raw deal from officials last night. And even if he did, that does not excuse what he has been doing on the basketball court. And someone pointed this out on Twitter, and my personal Twitter account, at the Sports Min, that's at the Sports M-I-N-N. Definitely take a look at that if you haven't already. I sent out a I sent out a tweet thread. And this is not something new. Carl Towns has a ten I mean, I wouldn't say a tendency. We're all aware of this thing where he tries to draw fouls. I have some concerns. Is that all it is? I don't think Towns is a bad person. In fact, I think it's the exact opposite. I think Towns is a really good person. But this idea, this this need to trip other players, I'm not a fan of that. I, I'm not saying he's Grayson Allen, obviously. I don't I don't think of Towns necessarily as a dirty player. But last night's game, it sure looked like he, his plan was just to trip the player in hopes of getting a foul call. And then after the game, for him to... Does he really have this lack, this much of a lack of awareness? Is this really what we're seeing? Or does he understand what he's doing 
I don't even know which one is worse. But to me, I, I look at this and I, I just hope it's it's not an intentional thing. I mean, I know that I know that he's trying to create contact, but there is a lot of video evidence of him just sticking his leg out and honestly it looks like he's trying to trip somebody. I do think ultimately he's probably just trying to draw the foul, but my goodness, this has to stop. And then his explanation about how this is just normal, this is how he normally shoots, again, look at that thread. I can promise you that is not how he shoots. And that is this nonsense about he was, you know, he was quoted last night talking about how, well, just look at the three-point contest. I won the three-point contest shooting like this. I'm not going to change my form now. B.S. That is not your form. That is not what you do with your leg. That is what you're doing when you're trying to draw a foul. When he has space, he does not shoot like that. Unacceptable. Chris Finch talked about it uh, briefly in the game or in the presser afterwards, and he's obviously got a problem with it. And then you lose him, and what happens when you lose Carl Towns? We've seen Chris Finch goes to Nas Reed. Now, I and many other people that cover the team, fans, etc., feel that no. That's not what should happen. Nas Reed has proven throughout this season that he cannot be relied upon. Now, I gave him his kudos. I gave him credit in that Clippers game. But that was a one-off. He has not been consistent throughout the year in terms of being good. He has been consistently, at least fairly consistently, quite awful at times. Whether it's his inability to rebound the basketball. I'm ta- He's a center, or at least we're playing as, as a center, let's say. And he's not able to rebound the basketball. That's a problem. And against a team like the Grizzlies that are so incredibly good at rebounding the basketball, especially offensively, leading to second chance points, Nas Reed is a huge issue. It's a huge, huge problem. And so that's where I sit. And I look at this and I say, part of the reason the Wolves lost last night I'm not going to say a big part, but definitely a part, is Nas Reed. And Chris Finch. Chris Finch needs to be better. I did not think his rotations were, were well thought out. The Grizzlies made adjustments going into this game, and I felt like the Wolves weren't able to answer back with their own adjustments in this game. At halftime, do something. I don't need to see more Nas Reed. Nas Reed's not the answer. And after the game, guess what? Chris Finch uh, knocked Nas Reed and said, you know what? He needs to be better. Guess what, Chris? I think you're a heck of a coach. I am a huge fan of Chris Finch. I don't want him going anywhere anytime soon. But I do think that it's an issue here, and we've seen this throughout the season. You know, there was a stretch run where J-Mac was playing absolutely terribly, and I and many others said to ourselves and said publicly, he does not belong on an NBA roster. And here's the problem. Yes, guess what? Chris Finch stuck with him. It ended up panning out. It was a good decision, right? It worked out in that specific example. But it doesn't always work that way, right? A good point would be Chris Finch and the way he handled Tayshaun Prince. Sorry, Torian Prince. I don't know why I mistake that so often. Another guy played for the Wolves, though. But Torian Prince, he benched Torian Prince, and Prince went to him. Prince was proactive, and he said to Finch, what do I need to do to get more minutes? What do I need to get on the court? And he told him, he said, you need to you know, be better. You need to play better. Why are we not doing that with Nas Reed? Why are we just letting him play crappy and work, try to work through these issues? Guess what? At this point, he's not working through the issues. It's been start to finish, for the most part, of the season. He has been bad. At this point, we need to change things. And you look at last night. Steven Adams played like three or four minutes the entire game. And you know what? Kudos to the Grizzlies. They, they recognized 
that Steven Adams was not the answer for them. They went away from him. They went with Tillman, and Tillman was fantastic for them. He had a quick seven points when he came in the game. He's getting rebounds offensively and defensively. Now, I want to preface this by saying going big is not the answer here, right? If A lot of people say, well, if you're not going to go Nas Reed, well, then we're going Greg Monroe. No, that is not the answer. You go smaller. Now, whether that's Torian Prince, I'm fine with that. Whether you're going to use some sort of a Torian Prince and Jaden McDaniels combination, uh, that's fine too. We looked at how the game played out last night, and I believe, what was it, Jared Vanderup played maybe nine minutes in the entire game. We went away from him because we needed offense. I understand that. I get why we did that. But then you sacrifice rebound, and then you sacrifice defense. There's concerns there. But Torian Prince and Jaden McDaniels, you're not dropping off. They're both very quality defenders. They do a fantastic job. If I'm coach, I'm taking Nasri out of the rotation. That's, that's bottom line. That's what I'm doing. And I'm telling Carl Towns, here's the deal, Carl. If we're going to lose this game, we're going to lose this game because of you. If we're going to win this game, we're going to win this game because of you. I think Carl Towns is, he, he is the hinge. The team hinges, whether it's good or bad, hinges on Carl Towns and what he brings to the table. You saw in game number one, if he stays out of foul trouble, you don't need to rely on Nas Reed or whoever you want to put in, in that situation. And Carl Towns, now granted, 43 minutes a night is probably not realistic. But the point being, if you're going to beat the Grizzlies, you need Carl Towns to be on the floor. And that's the same for any team, right? But I would argue almost maybe more so with the Grizzlies because they're such a good defense or they're such a good rebounding team. And again, this goes back to the maturity. He needs to be more mature. He picked up two fouls early, right? Granted, I didn't think they were bad fouls. They were fouls, right? But it wasn't like he did something stupid. He was just playing He was playing good defense. And then he let it get to him. Granted, he played a little differently. I thought he played a little more composed initially, just in terms of trying not to you know, get that extra foul. And then he just throws that all out the door and tries to trip a guy. I don't understand where that, where that comes from. Why would he think that was what we needed at that time? I just have so many concerns right now with Carl Towns. And now we're talking about, think about this. We have concerns with our best player. Now you look at the rest of the roster, and last night's game is a good example of this. No one showed up. So I'm supposed to, I have concerns about our best player, which is a, which is a big enough of an issue. And then you look at uh, Anthony Edwards. They, for the mo- they, they were able to really take him out. It wasn't the same guy you saw in that first game. D'Angelo Russell, I don't know what he's doing. We haven't seen him in two games now. And this idea that, you know, somebody pointed out, I think they talked to him maybe, it might have been in the press conference, and they talked about how they're being physical with him and they're finding ways to take him out of games. So I didn't see that. Did anyone else see that? This Did anyone else see this this concerted effort where Grizzly said, we're not going to let D'Lo beat us? I don't. I see him missing shots. I see him taking bad shots. I have concerns there. The one guy, by the way, that is so impressive to me, and it's not it's maturity, it's the way he handles himself, it's the way he talks. Anthony Edwards, I cannot say enough good things about him. The the concerns I have about Carl Towns, none of those things do I have concerns about Ant. And the other thing that's great about Ant is he just brushes it off. When he he doesn't ever he doesn't ever sound worried, he doesn't ever sound like he's upset. He's a guy that just is always gonna give you everything he has. 
Now, after the game last night, he was looking at the thing. He was looking at the statistics on the on the computer, or whatever, up at the podium. One of the, the one of the media members had asked him, "Oh, you know, you were kind of you had this look on your face. What were you reading?" And he said, "I had five turnovers." And he goes, "That's never happening again." He's just so intelligent, and he understands the game at such a good level. The more I sit here and think about the next game, the the better I feel about things. But I do think it hinges on, again, Carl Towns. Can we win? Actually, here's a good question. When I look at the rest of the team, so Nas Reed, I, I'm going to put him over here uh, off to the side. All right? I'm going to say that I am truly worried about him. I'm truly worried if Finch is going to keep playing, and that's a real concern. But we know that's going to be a concern. That's just the way it's going to be. I look at the rest of the team, guys like Prince, like McDaniels, Vanderbilt. If those guys can show up, are you able to get like enough from them? We're dominant Ant, you know, where Ant's going to get you 30, 35 points. Can you win basketball games? And I think you act, I think you can. The, those bench guys need to step up. The problem you ran to with the Grizzlies last night is all of a sudden the whole team just seemed like they didn't have anything. And I don't, I didn't think that the Grizzlies did anything anything all that amazing did anyone and maybe i'm wrong here did anyone else leave that game and say to themselves man how impressive were the grizzlies just dominating right i i didn't i didn't think that they did anything game changing one of the biggest differences was benching steven adams and playing tillman more is that the kind of change that's going to just all of a sudden win them the series i don't think so if i'm the wolves i look at game one i look at game two and Chris Finch needs to do this. He needs to strategize. He needs to say, all right, these are the these are the options they've thrown at us. Number one, we need to be prepared for them. But number two, why are we sitting here letting them dictate how we play the game? We need to play our style of basketball. We need to be successful. And that's what we did in game one. And in game one, we did that. We dictated how things went. And as a result, what did the Grizzlies do? They made some adjustments in that second game. And it was adjustments specifically to target the things that we were successful at. Things like this, they remind me of Vikings-Packers in a sense that the Vikings draft Moss, Moss dominates, and what do the Packers do the next year? They draft a bunch of guys for the secondary, right? They, you, you, you grab everything you can and you prepare, and I need Chris Finch to prepare for, for more. He needs to be better on his feet as a coach when they made those adjustments in that first half and it didn't go well for the wolves we we really didn't seem to do anything and if anything i think i felt like finch was flustered you know we went away from jared vanderbilt we went away from things that had been effective and now long term i think a lot of us can agree that jared vanderbilt's likely not the answer unless he somehow figures out how to be more of a threat offensively because as it stands right now you have one of your five players that the other team knows isn't really a threat to do much of anything that's a concern now the way that I personally would address that is I think more cutting I talked about this uh, before I think Jared Vanderbilt needs to be cutting to the basket more they need to have more movement and actually, in the game last night, movement in general was a concern. Ball movement just wasn't there. The offense was very stagnant. Those are concerns. So 
bottom line, Chris Finch needs to do a better job with his game plan, with his rotations. I don't know specifically what he's going to do. Obviously, no one does other than Chris Finch. But the way that he responded last night, I don't think was very good. I'd be interested to hear other people's opinions on this. Reach out to me, again, at the Sports Min on Twitter or at the Howl Radio. Either place, you can definitely reach out to me or uh, Aaron, uh, one of my co-hosts who, who does the show sometimes with me as well. Reach out. If it, I want to know your thoughts. Should Nas Reed be playing? What are the what are the concerns there, right? I have, I have lots of, lots of thoughts on this, and I would love to hear other people's thoughts as well. Get some feedback there. What do people think is going to happen there? Now, going into this next game, we're going to have a sold out crowd at Target Center. If you want to count the Jimmy Butler playoff experience, that's fine. But really, I think. The fans have gotten more behind this team than they did against or with that Jimmy Butler series. And we're, we have a better shot now. I think we're a, we're a better team. Uh, to me, we're a better team now against the Grizzlies than we were in that series against the Rockets. This, to me, is a much better matchup. So uh, looking ahead at the game, or actually, before we do that, a couple more things I guess to touch on. There's not really one I, – I look at the bench as a whole, if we consider them kind of one unit. There was such a big difference this past game than from night one, number one. And we touched on the fact that you didn't, you didn't get what you needed from Cat. He played foolish, didn't use his head. We've seen that time and time again on the season. You talk about Anthony Edwards. Just – I don't think he played a bad game necessarily, but it just wasn't – it wasn't – Big time ant. You didn't get what you needed from him if you were going to win this game when Cat doesn't show up. DeAndre Russell, we get it. He just hasn't been showing up, bottom line. You look at the bench, though, that always surprised me. It's kind of like when you watch, I always think about this, when I would watch the Twins, not so much now, well, I guess sometimes now because they haven't been great offensively, but when you watch baseball in general and you watch a game, it always surprises me when you have a team that, let's say, is really good at hitting. And then all of a sudden a game pops up and you're going against a team that isn't very good. You're going against a pitcher that's not very good. And all of a sudden the entire team just can't hit the bat, can't hit the baseball. That's how I felt watching last night's game. It was almost like a ripple effect. And I think a lot of it stems from the team's inability to get over referee issues. Of course, it starts with Carl Towns, but you have Patrick Beverly's up there, which I will say there was so much junk going on to start that game. There's no reason there should have been that many fouls in the first quarter. The referees absolutely took over that game. Neither team in the first quarter was able to get any sort of rhythm. I was, I was floored by the fact that we were only down by one point after that first quarter. But you had that Patrick Beverly, I'm sorry, nonsense technical I just don't get how, look, here's the deal. Yes, the whistle blew, but if there was any chance there was going to get a continuation there, I understand why Patrick Beverly swats that basketball. Also, how often times do you see a guy throw up a shot after the whistle and another player grabs the ball like, as it's about to go in or any of those things because that's what you do, right? KG started it. Everyone Now everyone in the league still does it. 
it's a it's a common thing. And I watch that. How is that a technical foul? I just don't get that. And stuff like that, I think, sends this team spiraling a little bit in the wrong direction. We just didn't have that in that first game. Not that the officiating was off the charts amazing or anything in game number one, but there was just so much going on in that first quarter of the officials taking over the game and, and calling fouls on both teams. And I'm not saying I'm not saying the, the officials did a bad job necessarily. It's just there was it was so tough to get a rhythm going. I just ultimately there was it was a tough it was tough to watch. It was tough to enjoy. And as a player, I'm sure that made things difficult for them as well. But mentally, we just weren't tough last night. Top to bottom. The entire team did not show up. And Carl Towns gets flustered. I think that, again, has a ripple effect down the rest of the roster. And ultimately, you end up paying the price. As of right now, you know, if you asked me last night, I probably would have been like, well, we're never gonna win, we're never gonna win a game again. Or who knows what? I was negative last night. I was. And I'm still a bit negative just in terms of how I view Carl Towns and and his play going forward in the series. I need to see a big change from him. I need to see game one Carl Towns. I don't need to see game two Carl Towns anymore. But the things that I want to see, and I think that's going to make us successful, because I absolutely think we can ease. Sorry, easily is not the right word. But I could definitely see us winning the two games at home. We are so good at Target Center. The fans are fantastic. I think the the Wolves do a really good job of an experience there. I have now, I will say this, I have not been to a Wolves game in a while. The pandemic really made that difficult for me, and I just, you know, I haven't been going. But I know enough from all the people I talk to and the people that go to the games and what I'm able to see, and I know it's an experience, and they do a great job. And so all the energy is going to be there. I will say this. And I, I reached out to um, Jeff Munnicky on Twitter. I would love to see them do some sort of a Jake's Graphs type thing for a game at some point. If the entire stands, if everyone got like an I Love Papev t-shirt, how great would that be? How fantastic would that be? Would love to see that. By the way, I haven't touched, I didn't touch on that really. But even Patrick Beverly, I thought, was a little off last night. So another guy that, you know, one of your starters that you really need to be dialed in. I'm not saying he played poorly, and he always brings it night in, night out. But just another guy that it didn't really seem all there just in terms of what you normally get from him and his effectiveness level. But that's not the point. Bottom line, I think that the Wolves are in a good position to continue. I mean, think about this. They took one, they took one game in Memphis. If before the season, series started, if someone told me, I'm going to give you no other information other than the Wolves are going to win one of the two games in Memphis. I would have been real happy. So let's just pretend last night's game didn't happen. Let's say the first game didn't happen. Let's just look at it and say, all right, the series is 1-1. The Wolves have taken home court advantage. Are they going to take advantage of that? And I think they will. Ultimately, I'm going to predict, as of right now, the Wolves win in six. If it goes to seven games, I think it's a, t I think it's a tough sell for me. But winning it in six, that's very doable. You know, you win two at home, lose one at Memphis, and then you win another one at home. Or, you know, you go one and one and then steal another one in Memphis. I mean, anything's possible. But my prediction still stands. The Wolves win this series. I'm going to say that they win it in six. And here is how I would do it. If I'm Chris Finch, there's been some talk about changing the starting lineup. I don't, I don't think I'd do that. I think that's a big change. I think that can really mess with your chemistry a little bit. That's not the direction I would go if I'm Chris Finch. I'm going to keep the starters intact. I'm going to 
look to have Jared Vanderbilt be more of a cutter, be more active in that regard. And if and if that's not going to be what you're going to do, I would I would get it to him and get him to understand that fast passing. I don't need Jared Vanderbilt dribbling overly. I don't mind when he gets rebounds, by the way, and he pushes the ball up. Sometimes that can be effective. That's fine. But ultimately, I want him to do as little as possible on offense. We want him to be successful. We want him to be a factor. And if he's moving, I think that's how that can, that can be effective there. So I'd have him be more active in terms of moving, setting screens, cutting to the basket. Those are the things that I think are going to really help out if you're going to keep him in that starting role. On top of that, when you jump to the bench, Nasri can't play anymore. Bottom line, Nasri cannot see the floor. And ultimately, there's no reason he needs to. And on the off chance that for some reason the Grizzlies decided they wanted to go big again, they started playing Steven Adams more, if you had to have someone come in when Carl Towns was out, whether it be for foul trouble or rest, if Steven Adams is in the game, I would love to see us go with a Greg Monroe. I don't think that that's too far-fetched. I think it's fair for the team to look at that, but only in that instance. Greg Monroe is not going to work out well when you're talking about Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark, Triple J, these other players that are fast, athletic, young. It's just not going to work against them. It, it just isn't. And so that's where I draw the line there is I don't need to see Nas Reed anymore. Now, outside of a Greg Monroe sighting, you look at using the small ball lineups, which is exactly what the Grizzlies have done. The Grizzlies have run small ball. If you want to run Jared Vanderbilt at the five, I don't think that that's what they're looking to do because of his lack of offense. But you could do that. You just have to make sure that the other four guys are very offensively sound players, right? Ultimately, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see less Jared Vanderbilt. I want I want to see no Nas Reed, but at a minimum, let's see less of him. And let's see more Malik Beasley. Let's see more Torian Prince. Let's see more Jaden McDaniels. We need to embrace those players. Now, granted, Jaden McDaniels is a guy, just like Carl Towns, one of the worst at following. He follows a ton. So it's important that he doesn't do that for us to be successful. But that's what I want to do. I want to embrace those bench players. I want to play Beasley more. I want to play Jaden McDaniels more. These are the things. Torian Prince, got to play him more. And these are guys that can hit shots, especially corner three-point shots. My goodness, those three guys are good at that. So you're adding that aspect of the game into it. And by the way, it's not uncommon for a team to have a sixth man play starter or close to starter minutes. Any one of those three guys, I think, could do that. It's the likely candidate would probably be Beasley, and then maybe a close second would be Jaden McDaniels, and maybe even a close third is Torian Prince if you end up not using Nas Reed. Then you have some more minutes flexibility there. And I think that's just, to me, that's the way you do it. On top of that, this goes back to be a, be on the offensive. You don't need to just sit here and be reactionary to everything, right? You can let the Grizzlies have to come and change the way they play. That's what happened from games one to game two. So lots of things that the Wolves could do. I'm going to stick with positivity. I'm going to predict winning in six. I'm going to predict that we definitely started off with a win tomorrow night. Again, it's a lot of it rests on Carltown's shoulders. We need him to be more mature. D'Angelo Russell just needs to finally show up for games, and Ant just needs to be himself. And I think all things considered, we are going to be okay. One last thing I want to touch on here, and this is something I actually have a problem with. It's very frustrating to me, and that is 
the scheduling by the NBA makes zero sense. What I don't understand is why exactly was there two games between games one and two, and then one day between game two and three, and one day between game three and four? Makes zero sense to me why you wouldn't have the extra day in between traveling. This is To me, this isn't rocket science. You go game one, one day break. Game two, two day break. So both teams can travel, get to the new city, and just be rested and prepared. And then game three, one day, game four. And then I would, you know, if there's going to be another two days of rest, you probably wait to do it between game six and game seven because both teams are going to be a lot more tired at that point. Bottom line is... The scheduling could have been done way more efficiently, and it just wasn't. I think they dropped the ball here. Whether it was on purpose or not, obviously the conspiracy theorists and the conspiracy theorist in me that the league really doesn't like Minnesota teams, that does come out a little bit, and it's tough not to see it. So lots to lots to look forward to or not look forward to, I guess, depending on which team decides to show up for the Wolves. But again, I like where we're at. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Net channel. This has been The Howl, your source for news and notes on the Tibberwell breaking down games and, of course, also diving in on the Minnesota Gophers and, at times, the Iowa Wolves as well. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Net channel. And until next time, let me get a howl.